Well, we are getting near the end of our series in Romans. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 13 tonight. There's only four more chapters left in Romans, and we're going to do our best to try to tackle um, a chapter a week, which is a quite a tall task. And tonight, you'll find, is a very, very tall task as we dive into tonight's topic, which you're, I'm sure, waiting with bated breath for what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 13, or you can just wait for it to come up on the screen, which is what most of us will do. Um, you know, one of the things about preaching that they teach you in, like, preaching classes is that it's really important in preaching books, it's really important to actually set up tension. So, like, oftentimes, a preacher at the beginning of their sermon will set up, like, a tension or a problem or our problem. Our, you know, because of sin, because we've all been born into sin and we live in a fallen world, there's all kinds of things that Jesus actually solves for us. The scriptures actually solve for us. And so they'll teach you in preaching classes is set up a problem or a tension. And one of the things that happens when you set up a tension is it keeps one thing, it keeps everyone from falling asleep. And I have had that happen before in my preaching, by the way. But the other thing it does, it gives you a reason to say, why do we even have to care about what you're saying to me right now? And so sometimes setting up attention is harder to do with given topics. But boy, oh boy, the topic we're going to tackle tonight, it ain't going to take much. Actually, it's probably only going to take one word. Y'all ready for it? Government. Ugh. Right? Right? We all have a different reaction when it comes to that word. Some of us have very negative emotions happening inside of us right now. Frustrations, negativity. All these kinds of things get stirred up in us when we hear this word. But did you know that the Bible actually has something to say about government? As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 13 has something specific, some very specific things to say about government. As a matter of fact, Paul was actually dealing with an issue here with the church in Rome of people in the church weren't just dealing with issues of division around Jews and Gentile things, not liking each other, but there was likely people in the Roman church that were actually not paying their taxes. That's not good. And so Paul was actually having to deal with an issue that was kind of starting to divide the church and this idea that the church would be maybe anti-government. So Paul was actually addressing this issue here with the church in Rome about the church actually having unnecessary conflict with the government. So we're going to jump into this tonight. And you might be thinking, man, Jay, you've got yourself a big hole to dig out of. But we need the Lord's help, and so Holy Spirit, help us as we drive in. Are you guys ready for this? No, you're not. Okay, cool. We're going anyways. Romans chapter 13. Here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Further, And by the way, I don't get to pick what I'm preaching when we're preaching through a book. It just came up, so i got to preach on it. Here we go. Romans chapter 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. 
For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain, remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, close yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify, gratify the desires of the flesh. So this passage of Scripture can be broken up into two major sections. So you have this first passage of Scripture, which is actually a continuation from Romans chapter 12. This is one of those spots where chapter and verse markings that weren't in the original script, the chapter and verse markings are actually unhelpful here again. Because Paul is just continuing his conversation from Romans chapter 12. And what was Paul talking about in Romans chapter 12 near the end? He was talking about how do we do relationships inside the church and how would you, do we do relationships outside the church? Okay, you tracking so far? So Paul is actually continuing his conversation with living at peace with everyone, having relationships with outsiders as he begins to talk about the government here in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. He's continuing his conversation about how do we actually connect with people outside the walls of the church? So that's kind of the first section of Romans chapter 13. And, and Paul really pulls and finishes his whole discussion from Romans chapter 12 and Romans chapter 13 about how we do relationships inside the church, how we do relationships outside the church, and how we even do that with government. He ties that all together with this reality that Christ is returning, that he is coming back to judge the living and the dead. He's going to judge us, and he will judge those that are in governing authorities. And he's reminding us to have the right perspective when we're living in less than ideal circumstances. When we're living in governments that are less than perfect. He's saying, suffer through these times because we know the day is almost here. Christ, the perfect judge, the perfect governor, the Lord of the entire cosmos is going to come back. And he is going to set everything right. And he's going to bring justice to the earth. So in light of that, get relationships right in the church. Get relationships right outside the church. And actually, Paul uses the word submit to the governing authorities. This is arguably the most controversial passage, one scholar says, in the entire letter of Romans. So let's get into the text. 
Verse 1 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And Paul says it again. He's ringing the bell again. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Here Paul says in one verse the word established by God. Paul uses repetition to try to drive something home to the church in Rome. That those that are in governing positions here in Rome have actually been put there by God. And we believe as people who follow the scriptures that it's actually Christ, God, who puts people into governing roles and authorities. The Bible actually teaches us in Colossians chapter 1 that Christ actually created thrones and authorities. That's what the Bible teaches us. We believe that God is actually sovereign. He's the one in control. And God has put people into governing roles to help bring order to the earth that he cares about deeply. So we believe that as followers of the scripture. And despite the fact that this world is temporary, God cares deeply about how this world is both ordered and in particular, how people are treated. Now, one of the things that I thought of, and you probably thought of as you read this passage of scripture, is, well, what about when the government's corrupt? Or what about when there's evil leaders? I hear you. Well, first and foremost, it's important, and the end of Romans 13 is a reminder to us that one day, everyone, including those that have the responsibility and trusted by God to govern and lead, are going to stand before God and be judged for how they governed and led. You tracking? So there's that. The second thing is God has instituted laws and things so governments and leaders act in a certain way. And you're like, well, they don't. I hear you. We have governing corrupt governments all over the world, imperfect governments, corrupt governments that run through God's stop signs all the time because God has given us all the gift of free will. We can choose to do things in a way God wants us to do or not because of the gift of free will. And even God's own people blew through God's stop signs. I just finished reading the book of First and Second Kings. And you know, in the Old Testament, when, when kings were established in Judah and Israel, do you know that every single king of Israel did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord? And there was only like seven or eight kings from Judah that did right? There was a whole bunch of corrupted leaders at that time. And it's not that that's okay. Matter of fact, God raised up prophets like Hosea who actually confronted Israel and prophets like Elijah that, would, that confronted King Ahab and said, hey, the way that you're living is wrong. You shouldn't be governing this way. So it's not that there's no accountability here. That's, I think, what we fear when we hear that word submit. No, like Paul was writing to the church in Rome because they weren't accommodating to reasonable right laws that they should be following. So there's this tension as us as Christians who live in a world that's imperfect, that's governed by imperfect people who have to govern us imperfect people. So it's less than ideal circumstances, which is why Paul leaves at the end of Romans saying, listen, this day is almost over and there's a day that's coming. So hold on, take courage, suffer through this less than ideal circumstance. Romans 13 isn't saying that you have to be okay with everything the government says and do everything. That's not what Romans chapter 13 is saying. Romans chapter 13 is saying the same thing it said in Romans 12. As much as it's possible within you, 
live at peace with everyone, including those governing over you. That's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 13. Now, I will say this. There are times when the laws of the land actually run contrary to the laws of Scripture. The Bible tells the story of Daniel, who was a prophet, who was sent into exile. And every day, Daniel would kneel down in exile, open his windows towards Jerusalem, and pray to God, to our God, to Yahweh. Well, people didn't really like Daniel because he had the favor of God, and they were really jealous of him. So King Nebuchadnezzar had this statue built, 120 feet high. And the officials in the, in the, in the kingdom decided to make some laws that said, you can only pray to the statue. Any other prayer, you're going to be prosecuted and condemned. So what does Daniel do when that happens? He kneels down, opens the windows, and prays to God. There are times when God does call us under his authority first contrary to what the government may say. We have friends that are serving Jesus in countries that I can't say online right now that we support, that they're doing it in Jesus' name. There are times when that happens, when God calls us to do things that maybe don't align with governing authorities. But here's the deal, church. That is not what's happening in Romans chapter 13. Paul was actually instructing the church in Rome to do their civic responsibility, to make a reasonable accommodation, to do the right thing, to submit. He wasn't asking them to go against what Jesus or the scriptures had taught. He's saying, this is your responsibility as a follower of Jesus. You see, the church in Rome was bucking against the government. They weren't paying their taxes. And Jesus himself said, Give to Caesar what is Caesar, and God's what is God's. It was a command from Christ himself. And so that's what Paul was speaking into. And here's why this is so important. Because by the church in Rome not following their civic responsibility, they were actually tarnishing the witness of Jesus. That's why Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, who were in an even more hostile environment, the church in Thessalonica the governing authorities was actually persecuting them. But this is what Paul says to them. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands. Just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. And so you will not be dependent on anyone. I love that line, win the respect of outsiders. You see, we follow the laws that God has placed over us and those in authority, we do those things to win the respect of outsiders. And why on earth do we want to win the respect of outsiders? So we can introduce them to the king. So we can tell them about this amazing Jesus. That's why we have to watch and be careful, as Paul said in Romans 12, with how we live on the outside world, including those in government. Let me ask you a question. 
does Jesus want to reach those in municipal, provincial, and federal government? And who does he want to use to do it? So how is our witness to those in governing authority over us? And for a lot of us, that's convicting. And we need God's help. And maybe for some of us, we need to say, Lord, forgive me. I've blown it with that. And would you just help me to to be a witness and remember that to be careful in all those things. And I'm not saying there's not a place for accountability. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about basic civic responsibilities. It is necessary, the Bible says, to submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also a matter of conscience. See, a lot of us, like, we fear that punishment, and so when that happens, we tend to run away. I remember in my pre-Christian years, um, I used to party. And I remember this one time, I don't know why we did this, in the most public place in my small little town of Canso, there was like maybe 20 or 30 of us uh, underage drinking. And lo and behold, the police showed up, and I heard, we heard someone yell police. And man, what, I'll never forget the scene um, of people grabbing bottles and booze and bags and gunning it out of there like, like a scalded cat. And why did we do that? Because we were fear of punishment, just like this scripture talks about. And we do the same thing. We hide things in the dark. We live in secret. We do stuff behind closed doors because of that fear. But as a Christian, Jesus actually calls us to live in the light as what? As he's in the light. There should be no, listen church, there should be no dark spots in our life. Jesus penetrates all the darkness in our hearts and in our lifestyle So you look into our lives, and there's nothing dark. There's nothing hidden. That's a witness. And that's when the light of Christ actually reflects through our life, through our integrity, through our purity. And we can't boast about any of that, but that is our witness, church, both individually and collectively. It's why Paul says, pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves God, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. It all comes back to love. Like all the commands, all that we need to do is love. And we fulfill all of the commandments. And you can love someone and not agree with them. You can love someone and not accept what they have to say. You can love your enemy. You can love someone that voted differently than you, who sees the world entirely different than you. Are we not called to love everyone? Aren't we? Okay, just making you're still there. Because love fulfills the entire law. And ultimately, we love because... God first loved us. And yes, so we suffer. We live in an imperfect world. We serve under imperfect governments who are leading us imperfect people. But one day, the perfect judge of all the world will return. And he'll judge in perfect justice. And everyone one day will give an account. That's why Jesus said to wake up. 
That's why Paul says, wake up from your slumber. I remember uh, one time, we were in grade, I was in grade 11 or 12, and we were going to a volleyball tournament actually in Dalhousie, where Janaeus goes to school, and we had a phenomenal coach, but for some bizarre reason, he had the bright idea to have volleyball practice at 6 a.m. Like, who has volleyball practice at 6 a.m.? I mean, it's volleyball, right? And I still remember to this day, we all kind of strolled into the gym, and we started practice, but none of us were kind of with it. We were stumbling, and we were missing plays, and the ball was dropping. And he's like a big, thundering dude. And I was standing right beside him, and I, he just lit right into us, and he yelled, Wake up! And it was like, man, like, we just got a, like a shock to the senses. Well, this is what Paul's saying here in Romans chapter 13. And Jesus, with all the grace and truth he has, is saying, wake up. Wake up. How we treat insiders, how we treat outsiders, how we treat governing authorities, all those things really matter. Time is short. The day is almost here. So there's a call here to wake up out of our apathy and out of our slumber. And I know this is a little bit heavy, but one day we are going to give an account for how we spent and lived our lives. So the Bible says to wake up, and then it says to throw off, in Romans chapter 13, throw off the deeds of darkness. Throw off things like gossip and slander and pornography and not paying taxes and illegal activities and selling drugs and prostitution and being unfaithful to your husband and wife. These are activities Jesus wants us to throw off, to not be like that, to be children of light, and actually not just to throw off, but to put on the armor the Bible teaches us here in Romans chapter 13. Put on the righteousness of God. Jesus has given us a right relationship with him. And we have this ability to live right with people in the church and outside the church. Put on the righteousness of God. Put on the belt of truth. In a world that believes all different kinds of truth, we're called to believe in the truth of Jesus. The truth of the scriptures. It's not about people's opinion. It's about what God's opinion is. We're, we're called to put on the helmet of salvation and have our minds filled with all that Christ has accomplished for us. We're called to put on the shoes that announce the readiness of the gospel of peace. We're called to be ready to tell people about this good news about Christ. We're called to put on the shield of faith when the enemy comes to cause us to doubt even God's existence. How many of you know, I've had thoughts in the last few weeks from the evil one where he's like, God isn't real. He doesn't even exist. And I'm like, no way. I've seen God do miracles. I've seen him move mountains. I read the accounts of scripture. I believe that Jesus died and rose again and conquered sin and death. And I believe Jesus is coming back again. That's how we do battle, with faith. And we take on the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. And I think we've used the word of God in the wrong way. We've smoked and hammered and slashed people in the church with it. Or we've done it. Even worse, to people outside the church. Man, the legalism that's hurt people from the church. Because we've used the word of God incorrectly. But we're not supposed to use it against them or even against the government. We're supposed to use the word of God and fight our battles against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in high places. God is calling us to wake up, to throw off and to put on this armor, and to get into battle. I know it's July 24th, and I know it's summer, and I know you're enjoying time at the cottage, and that's good. That's not a bad thing. God has created all things for our enjoyment. 
But don't forget that God has also called us to serve and do battle and serve in his kingdom. And that one day Jesus is going to return. And he's going to judge. I invite the worship team to come at this time. The Bible says, let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, close yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Even Paul's ending here in Romans chapter 13 says decency. Decency has everything to do with how we live in the face and light of everyone else. Church, how we live with other people, especially those outside the church and especially those in governance, is so important. We want to live in such a way that we win outsiders so we can introduce him to the best governor, the best king, the best lord, whoever has existed and ever will, and who will rule and reign for the rest of eternity. And one day that king is coming back. And that's not something that we have to be heavy or discouraged about. Jesus talked about those who are sleeping. We don't have to be asleep. We can live before God with a clear conscience and live in the sight of man with a clear conscience so that when the day Jesus does come back, it's not a turn away and run. It's, I'm running into your arms. And not anything that I can boast about, but because Jesus, you cleansed me from my sin. You gave me the desire to walk in integrity. You gave me the ability to be pure and holy in your sight. And Jesus, because of all that you've done, I've chose to live my life for you. I chose to be a light and a witness for your kingdom. So when you come back, Jesus, I want to see you. I want to see your glory and your splendor. And I want to give you all the honor and all the glory that you deserve. I want to run into your arms. See, church, the return of Jesus isn't something we as Christians should be afraid of. It's something that we should long and look forward to. Church, I can't wait for the return of the king. What about you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you that, Jesus, you are coming back again. And that, Lord, it's not something we have to be afraid of, Lord. And I know tonight it's serious and it's heavy and it's an uncomfortable topic and all those kinds of things, Father. But would you just make all that stuff small in light of you? Would you captivate us with your majesty, with your attention, with your affection? Jesus, would you just get a hold of our hearts and minds tonight? And would we just submit to your will, to your authority? And may we sense your love in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet.